Shavua Tov, and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarragon, and today we're going to continue in Parshat Tezriya with the laws of Tzara'at. We've already noted various times that in order to appreciate one topic or one parshia, one must look and understand the parshia within its greater context. We began by discussing laws of Tumah and Tahara that did not just begin at the beginning of Parshat Tezriya, but rather the end of Parshat Shmini, Zotorata Behima. The Torah summarizes each section of Tuman Tara with the phrase of Zotorat, this is the procedure or the ritual for. So as we take a look at the various themes, we recognize the internal structure of the Parshiot through this repetitive phrase, Zotorat Behema, at the end of chapter 11, verses 44 through 47, followed by, as we mentioned in last year, Zotorat Yoledet, Today we're going to continue with Tzarat Ha'adam, which ends with Zotorat Asherbo Negat Tzara'at, and then by the end of chapter 14, Zotatorat Lechol Negat Zotorat Tzara'at, followed by chapter 15, ending with Zotorat Hazav. This repetitive phrase establishes that chapters 11 through 15 form a distinct unit discussing the laws of Tumah and Tahara. We've already asked why does this unit interrupt the natural flow from Parshat Shmini in chapter 10 to Parshat Acharei Mochne Bnei Aaron in chapter 16, and we suggested the common theme of the ability of Bnei Yisrael to enter the Mishkan to come closer to God. For after the first section of Sefer Vayikra, chapters 1 through 7, explaining how and when the individual can bring a korban and how they are offered by the Kohen, the next section, chapters 8 through 10, recorded the special Mishkan dedication ceremony preparing Bnei Yisrael and the Kohanim for working in the Mishkan. But this ceremony concluded with the deaths of Nadav and Avihu for improper entry into the Mishkan, offering their Eish Sefer Vayikra continues with an entire set of commandments concerning Tumah and Tahara. Chapters 11 through 15 regulate who can and who cannot enter the Mishkan, ending with the laws of Yom HaKippurim in chapter 16, which will describe the procedure of how the Kohen Gadol may enter the most sacred domain of the Mishkan, the Kodesh Kodeshim. As such, all these complicated laws sensitize us to visiting the Mishkan and the various vicissitudes in life of coming close and at times being distant from the Mishkan, while simultaneously ensuring that we're going to be very cautious and wary while we're in the presence of the Shekhinah. Although laws of Tuman Tahara have already been discussed in chapter 11 at the end of Parshat Shmini, we find that Parshio Tezriya Mitzora constitute a single literary unit discussing Tumah that originates from a living human being. These Parshio deal with three main categories of Tumah, presenting specific laws applicable to each. The division of the chapters corresponds to this division between the three main categories of Tumah that we're going to be discussing. Chapter 12, as we discussed yesterday, defines the Tumah of a childbearing woman and her process of becoming pure. Chapters 13 and 14, consisting of 116 verses, will discuss the Tumah of the Mitzorah and his or her process of Tahara followed by chapter 15, discussing the Tumah resulting from bodily emissions, both seminal and menstrual. Rav David Hoffman addresses the sequence of these sections and suggests that the laws of Tzarat, which apparently are the most stringent, requiring the individual to leave all three camps of Am Yisrael, should have been mentioned first. Rav Hanan Samet 
answers that firstly, the laws of childbearing are actually more stringent than that of a mitzorah. For after the termination of her impure days, which last seven days for a son, 14 for a daughter, the Yoledet must wait 33 days for a son or 66 days for a daughter. Only after this period may she bring her purification offering, which allows her re-entry to the Mishkan. The others, including the Mitzorah, wait only seven days and bring their offering on the eighth day. Additionally, childbearing shows us that this vicissitude between Tuma and Tahara begins at the very onset of life. And lastly, Tumah, the childbearing woman, is generated by a very joyous event, the birth of a child, and not from a physical illness. By first presenting the laws of the childbearing woman, even before we've heard about the other forms of Tumah, generally involving some type of physiological sickness, the Torah wants to teach us not only that childbirth is a wanted situation as opposed to an unnatural one, but is also teaching us that Tumah in general is part of the natural course of life. We are now ready to focus our attention to the chapter's dealing specifically with Tzarat. Beginning with chapter 13, verse 1, we're going to see an independent unit within the broader complex of Tumah and Tahara, devoting the bulk of their attention to the form of Tzarat three times the length of those dealing with the other forms of Tumah. We're going to see that the structure entails the first 44 psukim that we're going to read shortly, the different forms of tzarat based on the infection's appearance and the location of the body, and the process of how the Kohen determines the status of the infection. This will be followed by verses 45 and 46, the laws of how the mitzorah conducts oneself during this period of tum'ah. In verses 47 through 59, we're going to find the laws of tzarat on a garment, and then, beginning with chapter 14, returning to the mitzorah himself, discussing the process of purification that allows the Mitzorah re-entry into the camp after having been cured. Chapter 14, verses 10 through 20, discuss the Mitzorah sacrifices brought on the eighth day of his purification process, and verses 21 through 32, sacrifices that would be brought by a poor Mitzorah who cannot afford the standard offerings, ending with verses 33 through 53 the laws of Tarat on a house. Two obvious questions that arise from even a preliminary survey of the structure is firstly, why does the Torah present leprosy on clothing, seemingly an independent unit, right in the middle of the discussion of the laws of Tarat Adam, the sores on the human flesh, interrupting the diagnosis of Tum'ah from the procedure for ritual purification of the leper from his sores. The second question is why the Torah places the section of Tzarat on a house at the ends of the unit rather than together with the discussion of Tzarat of the person or Tzarat of the clothing, where it seemingly should appear. We're going to address both of these as we approach the respective psukim. In the meantime, let's try to get a better understanding of what Tzarat is all about through reading together the first 44 psukim that will describe Tzarat Ha'adam and we'll discuss then the different forms and places of the sores on the human flesh that render a mitzorah tamei. Chapter 13. Negat Saratu Vrauha Kohen Vitimeoto. 
ואם בהרת לבנה היא באור בשרו, ועמוק אין מראה מן האור, ושרה לא הפך לבן, והזכיר הכהן את הנגע שבעת ימים. וראו הכהן ביום השביעי, והנה הנגע עמד בעיניו, לא פסה הנגע באור, והזכירו הכהן שבעת ימים שנית. וראה הכהן אותו ביום השביעי שנית, והנה קהה הנגע, ולא פסה הנגע באור, וציערו הכהן מספחתי, וכיבס בגדיו וטהר. ואם פסו תפסה המספחת באור, אחרי הרעתו על הכהן לטהרתו, ונראה שנית על הכהן, וראה הכהן, והנה פסתה המספחת באור, וטמאו הכהן צרעתי. השם ספוק תמושה נערון סיינג, that if a man has in the skin of his flesh some type of rising flesh or a scab or a bright spot, in other words, some type of abnormality of his skin, then he's brought to Aaron the Kohen or to one of his sons, the Kohanim, and the priest shall look upon the plague of the skin of the flesh, and if the hair in the diseased part of the skin is turned white, and the appearance of the plague is deeper than the skin of the flesh, then this is considered sarat. For all intents and purposes, we're now going to call it leprosy, even though we're going to discuss what this disease in fact is. And the priest shall look at him and pronounce him to be impure. And if this bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and the appearance thereof not be deeper than the skin, and the hair did not turn white, then the priest... shall put him under isolation and observation for seven days. And on the seventh day, the Kohen will look at him and behold, if the plague stays the same and did not spread to the skin, then the priest shall place him under isolation for another seven days. And then look at him at the second set of seven days. And if the skin disease turned dim and did not spread, then he shall pronounce him to be Tahor. It is just a scab, and he just has to wash his clothes, and he'll be considered pure. But if the scab spread above in the skin, after he had shown himself to the Kohen, then the priest looks, and behold, if the scab spread, then the priest shall pronounce him to be impure. This is considered Tzara'at.